Well, good morning. We're continuing our series through the book of Psalms. Our series is entitled Songs of Life. If you have a copy of the scriptures with you, would you open it to Psalm 3? If you need a copy, raise your hand and we'll get you a Bible if you need one. There is one more announcement I want to make. It wasn't in the bulletin, but I want to let you know about it. Next Saturday is our Knit for a Reason. Keep your hands up until they get you that Bible. Next Saturday is our Knit for a Reason at the Genesis building. You can bring your own projects or purchase a Knit for a Reason kit. Everything you need to make blanket squares, scarves, or baby booties. My wife has made a square. I don't know if it's a blanket square, but it's a square. <laughs> She's not here. You're going to tell on me. And again, these things are uh, for a reason and outreach locally and in Mexico as well as in Haiti. If you'd like more information, there is some uh, cards out in the back there that has the times, uh, January 19th, February 9th, and March 16th are going to be times where they meet and knit. And those proceeds, again, go towards those things. There is a reason they're knitting. It's not just to make squares. And so, okay. Psalm chapter 3. Let's read through it, and then we'll be talking about it. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break their teeth, break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessings be on your people. Songs are born. They are born through different circumstances that we go through. And this is definitely a circumstance that David was going through. I found this quote and I thought it was amazing. It's by Albert Einstein and he says, if I were not a physicist, okay, what would Einstein do if he wasn't a physicist? I would probably be a musician. I often think in music. I live my daydreams in music. I see my life in terms of music. Does that blow your mind? Albert Einstein? Like, what is he doing? MC equals squared. You know, what is, what's going on in his mind that makes him think these kinds of things? But music is something that involves us, as we talked about last week, and it's born from these events in our lives. I can remember writing a song one time. It was this place in my life, and it was a, a difficult time, and many of you will be aware of this as I share these lyrics of my song with you. It was basically to the tune of Bob Dylan's, uh, what's that song, uh, Tangled Up in Blue. You guys know that song? Great song. 
Anyway, that, that's kind of what the tune was in my head. And, and I'll give you some of the lyrics and you can put the Bob Dylan kind of feel to it. Um, and you can get the serious and the depth of where I was at when I wrote this song. I tried to put it off just as long as I could. Sooner or later, it won't do a bit of good. Because there's only so far that a man can go. And sooner or later, he's going to have to wash his clothes. You know it's true. Caught in the laundry blues. Hold on, there's more. You may think it's funny, but it's not a lot of fun. When your clothes are all wet, but the dryer's all done. There aren't many choices from which you can choose. If you ain't got another quarter, friend, you lose. Cotton the laundry blues. Now, there's more lyrics, but I'm going to spare you. Now, many of you who have been single and have had to go to the laundromat know what a terrible thing it is especially when the laundry isn't getting done, the dryer doesn't work or the washing machine, you know, doesn't work properly. You know, and so one day when I was there at like one in the morning doing my laundry, I had my guitar and I wrote this laundry blues song because I had to express what I was going through. Being there, I couldn't do this on my own. I had to share it with the world. Uh, Don't you feel lucky? Well, David's situation is much deeper. It's much more severe than that. It's one that I think few of us could fully understand. The time that he writes this psalm, it is while he is fleeing for his life. His kingdom has been taken from him by force and by coercion. It's been taken from him by his own son. And in fact, we get a little insight into it In 2 Samuel 15, it says, While Absalom, David's son, was offering sacrifices, he also sent for Ahithophel, the Gilanite, David's counselor, to come to Gilo, his hometown. And so the conspiracy gained strength, and Absalom's followers kept on increasing. So now David's kingdom, the people who loved him, the people who used to sing songs about him, are now turning on him for his son who is sweet-talking them, who is getting their affection and poisoning their hearts towards David. And David has to flee for his life. And we talked about Ahithophel a few weeks ago and the betrayal that he had with David and David's responsibility in all of that. But this is David's situation running for his life, seeing the people who were once with him grow smaller and smaller and the people who are against him growing larger and larger. And a song is born in his heart. What would your song be? If you were in a circumstance like that, what would your song be? Maybe you're going through a time right now of difficulty and struggle. What are the words that come out of your mouth? Are they constant complaining? Are they, why God, why? 
maybe we can learn something from what David is saying here and check our own hearts and our own condition compared to what he is doing. When he starts off and he says, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? That's not a question. That's an exclamation. That's a declaration. He's just saying, oh God, look at there's a lot of people who are against me. How many of them are against me? And it's almost like this is a revelation from where he was to now where he is. And so he's making this declaration. Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. I want to stop and look at this many are saying. Because we have a number of voices in our heads. Don't look at me weird. You have them too. If you're in a conversation, there's usually more than one conversation taking place. You're talking to someone. There's the conversation that's verbal that's taking place. But you have another conversation in your head. You're probably thinking something like, I wonder what they think about what I just said. And then you're thinking, I wonder if I should say this. And then you might have another conversation, wonder what I'm going to eat for lunch. And this is all happening at the same time. All these conversations are taking place. And we are influenced by so many things and by so many people. And here, many were saying, the majority had this mindset. The majority are telling me, that God will not deliver me. That's what the majority say. How is that going to influence him? What do you do when those voices are telling you God will not deliver you? Maybe you have heard those voices. I have. I've been in those places where I hear the voice saying, God isn't here right now. Now, I know you're saying, oh, but I know God's there. The Bible tells us that God is never going to leave you or forsake you. I know what the scriptures say, but I'm telling you, there's times I hear that voice in my heart that says, no, God's not here right now. God doesn't care. God's not going to help you out of this situation. And I hear that voice and it echoes in my head and it can affect not only how I feel, but it can affect how I respond. There's another passage that I think is incredible in Ezekiel chapter 37, if you'll turn there with me. It's a very popular passage because it has to deal prophetically with Israel But there's something else that's taking place here that I want to key in on. Ezekiel 37, starting at verse 1, says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, 
Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, because you got to call them by name. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breathe from the four winds and breath into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, These bones are the people of Israel. Listen to this. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. An incredible picture. And there's so much in this passage, but I want to keep on topic. I mean, why is God asking Ezekiel to prophesy? Why can't God just do it? God engages Ezekiel and has him say to these things. But I love the part where God tells him, they say, these bones will never come to life. Their perspective is, their voice is, there is no hope. That's what they say. And the Lord says something different. Even though they say, Our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. Prophesy and say to them, no, that's not the case. There are voices that will say to you and say to me, it's over. The Lord isn't going to help you. You're not going to get out of this pit. Things are too difficult. There is no light at the end of this tunnel. Many will say it. They will say it. And you need to say to them even what David is going to say to them. You need to recognize that there is a voice that is going to try and influence your life and take hope away. And the voice is many and they will say to you, hope is gone. There's one more passage I want you to turn to and look that I think is telling as well. Genesis chapter 3, the very beginning. And you guys know the story of the fall where the serpent comes to Eve, deceives her. She takes and eats and gives to Adam. He also eats. Verse 6, we pick it up and it says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye 
and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God from the, from among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Listen to the words God said to them. He said to them, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? What voices are influencing your life? Is it the many that are condemning you? Are they saying circumstances are hopeless? It's impossible for things to get better from where they are. It's as if there's a cloud of darkness covering you. Are you in the guilt of your sin and shame hiding because you've been told you're naked and God will not accept you because you are not acceptable to Him? What are the voices? What is shaping who you are, and the things that you do. Who and what is constructing your life and what you are going to be? Are they the voices of condemnation? Are they the voices of circumstances that you can't get out of? Is it a recognition of your sin that's devastating and you feel naked? Who told you? And David goes on back in Psalm 3. And he says, But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the lifter, the one who lifts up my head. Many are saying, There is no hope. Many are saying that God is not going to deliver him, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. You're my glory, and you're the one who lifts up my head. And what a beautiful picture this is. The idea of lifting up your head is taking you out of shame, where you're so ashamed you can't even look up. You're you're humbled. I think of the woman in John chapter 8 who was caught in adultery and the Lord says, where are your accusers? Does anyone condemn you? And she says, no, no one, neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. And there is this understanding of restoration that you don't have to live in this shame. And the gentle and tender hand of God just goes underneath your chin and lifts your head up and looks you in the eye. And says, I'm around you. I'm your glory. That's the voice that David is hearing. And that's the voice we need to hear. As we've committed our lives to him, he is a shield around us. He is our glory. And he is the one who takes the shame. 
You see, who is dealing with your shame? Who is dealing with your shortcomings? Who are you entrusting your circumstances that are bleak to? Where are you going to? Because if it is not to the Lord, the one who can surround you, protect you, who can put his glory upon you and who can take your shame away, then it's going to be short-lived. But if it is the Lord, then it's going to be rich. Because if you have to deal with your own shame, if you have to deal with the shortcomings in your life, here's how you're going to do it. You're going you're gonna to muster up all the energy you can and you're going to be as good as you can and you're going to put on a brave face and you're going to try and smile more because yeah, I got to be good and I got to talk nice now to my parents or my friends or my boss because I got to be good. I got to do the right thing. And you're going to stri- strive and strive and strive and it's going to be work and work and work and you're going to get worn out and you're going to find that it's too much for you and you're going to find that you've just been playing a game. You've been a hypocrite because that's not really who you are because really who you are is a person who's broken, a person who has doubt, a person who has fears and that's who you are and you can't be someone you're not but what God can do is protect you. What God can do is give you his glory. What God can do is pick up your eyes and say, I've got you covered. I'll take care of this. Many are saying, God's not going to deliver me, but you, Lord, you're my shield. I can't go against the many. They say these bones will never live. Bones will not live unless you give breath to them, God. I will not succeed. I cannot move forward unless you give me hope, unless you give me life. God, all I hear in the voice of my soul is that I am naked. But you can clothe me in your righteousness and you can lift up my head. That's what he can do. And so David recognizes this, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. You're my glory. You're the one who lifts up my head. And then they called out and said, God won't deliver him. So he calls back and he says, I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. God is responding. That's who I am going to call out to. And so when the voices tell you you're not good enough the voices tell you god's not coming he's not going to deliver you the voices tell you your circumstances are beyond repair and maybe you feel like you've made so many bad choices that there are just no good choices left and the voices repeating that over and over in your ear, you need to call out to the Lord and he will answer from his holy mountain, his mountain that is separate from you, his mountain that is above you, his dwelling that is able to help you. Verse five, he says, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Now, David's not exaggerating. I know we're prone to exaggerating. 
here in California, we're freezing to death. It's in the 40s. What was it in Minnesota? Negative 20? 21? Negative 21. Perspective. And so, David, even though there are tens of thousands that are coming against him, he can sleep because the Lord is with him. He's not going to fear them. Isaiah chapter 26 Verse 3, it says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. You're going to choose who you listen to. These voices that are saying God is not with you, these voices saying they cannot live again, these voices that say you're naked, this voice that tells you God is not there. But God is able to keep you in peace. If your mind is steadfast on his voice, on the things he has declared to you, to me, through his scriptures, by his spirit, in our lives. If we will trust him and put him in a place above those other voices and allow him to speak strength and hope into our lives if we will give our ear to him, we'll find that then he can stop this onslaught. In verse 7 and 8, he closes and he says, Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. In other words, shut their mouths. Stop their voices. Keep them from gnawing at me. Keep them from devouring me. God, let your voice rise above theirs and shut theirs up. Sometimes I just have to say, shut up. And I'm not sure which voice I'm talking to. I know you guys are freaking out now saying, he needs to see a doctor. I could have told you that. But sometimes I just have to say, shut up. I'm not going to listen to that voice. Shut up. I'm going to trust in the Lord. Lord, break the jaw of that voice that is rising up. And instead, Lord, I want you to arise. I want you to shut that mouth so that I can hear your voice above the other voice. And then he goes on and he says, from the Lord comes deliverance. You need to underline that. You need to highlight that. Because at some place and at some point and at some time in your life, you are going to need deliverance. And if you're saying, yeah, I'm fine right now, okay, then that's great. I am glad that you're not needing deliverance. But when the day comes, remember this. That deliverance comes from the Lord. Remember that that's where you will find the deliverance. Again, you can try and muster it up on your own, but from the Lord comes deliverance and may your blessings be on your people. What we need is deliverance from the bondage of these influences that keep us 
from trusting, from the doubt that holds us captive. We need deliverance in these things. And Lord, bless your people. I want you to turn to one more passage, Isaiah chapter 43. Again, a familiar passage, a beautiful passage. Isaiah 43, starting in verse 1. And hear this above those other voices in your life. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are my precious and honor and since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. God is saying, I will give nations up to get you. I gave up Egypt, these nations that were supposedly strong and prosperous. I gave them as a ransom for you. I will pay anything from you. When you go through the river, it will not overtake you. When you go through the fire, you will not be burned because I am with you and I care for you. This is God's voice to us. This is what God wants to tell us. This is what we need to see. Everyone who trusts in him will not be put to shame. And David, in this dark place in his life had a recognition of a voice that was above the many voices, an understanding that carried his heart through the circumstances, a truth that echoed in the core of who he was so that he could sleep, so he could rest, so he could have confidence because his confidence wasn't in his ability to do good. His confidence wasn't in his ability to live right. His confidence was in the Lord to be a shield, the Lord to be his glory, the Lord to lift his head and take his shame. That's what we want. That's what we need. That's who he is. And that's who we sing to and about.
This is the song of life that David sang because it got him through the many voices. And it will get us through them as well. Let's pray. Father, you know our frame, that we are but dust. Lord, you know our weaknesses, our humanity, our frailty. And Lord, you have stepped in and given Egypt for ransom. You have given nations up for us. You have paved the way so that we could be with you and you've done it through your son, Jesus Christ. So that we can now come before you with confidence in our time of need and know that you hear, know that you care. Lord, may we listen to hear your voice above all the others to see the truth that you have declared in a place where there's nothing but dry bones and though they say they will never live Lord you say different and we have the opportunity the privilege to hear your voice. Rescue us from the many voices. And may we hear the one. You are the shepherd. Your sheep know your voice. May we know it. We ask in Jesus' name.